you know what program you're listening to? If you do, say so out loud, wherever you are, right along with me at the count of three. Ready? One, two, two and a half, back to one. One again. One. One Man's World with Daniel Lampley, the world's most prolific artist. Got you! I'm Daniel Lampley. I'm the world's most prolific artist, and everything you are about to hear is part of my show, which means I own it, essentially, even the guests of which I have to. They are as follows. Yesman, who is the good guest, and Scott, who is the sad guest. Today's episode of One Man's World is brought to you by Aquafresh Toothpaste. Aquafresh. If you've had Crest, it's like that. So that said, let's dig in. Yesman, on a scale of no to yes, how good was your week? Yes. A, a solid yes, Daniel. And Scott, I'm going to forego any sort of lighthearted rating system for you and simply ask if you are still divorced, crippled, and penniless. Are you? It's easy to kick a man while he's down, Daniel. Anyone can do that. You can't, Scott. Your legs are too broken for any sort of kicking. I suppose you could probably manage some equivalent action, though. You could jab a man with a crutch while he's down, for instance, or whimper piteously at a man while he's down. I don't know. I've never been so helpless that I couldn't even kick a man who was actually down and defenseless and practically begging to be kicked. No, Scott, any time I've ever come across a downed man, I've been fully capable of simply giving him a good kick and going on about my day. Do I take those moments for granted? Of course I do, because I know that I will never, ever do something stupid enough to result in the breaking of both, or even one of my legs, nor any of my other bones. I'm too aware of myself and my surroundings for harm to befall me. There has to be a lightning bolt with your name on it somewhere. Scott, get real. When I do finally meet my end, it will be in accordance with the prophetic dream I had when I was in college. I will be assassinated by an adoring fan driven mad by the cumulative power of my art, Intent on possessing me, but unable to do so, he will decide instead to poison the lipstick of the angel I am to kiss as a part of the ceremony, where I am to be crowned king artist. There I will die at the height of my renown, surrounded by a throng of wailing, anguished fans, numbering in the millions, some of whom will be several of my old high school teachers who I hadn't thought about in years before I had this dream, and these fans will parade my body through the streets of Cairo on a slab of the world's rarest substance, which will be called Quarium, and which hasn't been discovered yet here in the present. Did you, uh, did you slip Aquarium? Aquarium? Not Aquarium! Quarium! Aquarium is where fish come from! Okay, um, Daniel A., uh, this is the most insane I've ever heard you sound. Uh, and B, your dream doesn't sound prophetic. It sounds like a weird dream brought on by your constant self-idolization. And I guess uh, C, if your dream is prophetic, I'm going to guess that the assassin you're thinking of is probably Yesman. Uh, Yesman, you'd tell me if your obsession with me and my work was starting to manifest itself in thoughts of violence, wouldn't you? <laughs> of course, Daniel, yes. Uh, see that you do. Uh, yes, yes, Daniel. Uh, well, Daniel, if it's destined to happen, uh, I will just say that there's nothing you can do to prevent it. Might as well just resign yourself to the fact that, hey, it's going to happen no matter what you do. Scott, so uh, you're an advocate of the coward's approach to destiny. What a surprise. Well, I, for one, have no use for the coward's approach to anything, be it destiny, fate, fortune, chance, opportunity, luck, hawk breeding, providence, risk, etc. 
Did you just say hawk breeding? Yes, hawk breeding. The coward's approach to hawk breeding is senseless, Scott. Cowards are too afraid of the hawks to get close enough to feed them. So the hawks starve to death in their cages without ever breeding. The coward's approach to hawk breeding is perhaps the worst possible approach to hawk breeding that exists. Uh, thank you for inviting me uh, into the weirdest conversation I've ever been a part of. Well, you know what? It's, what a pleasure. That's no thanks to you, Scott. You've contributed... One banality after another since we started. Since the day we met, actually, presumably since the day you were born. Well, this has been a good mix of abuse and absurdity so far, and I imagine you're feeling pretty satisfied with this intro. Are you ready to talk about your art or what? I'm always talking about my art, Scott. You just don't get that because you have such a restrictive idea of not only what art is, but also what art can do. Or more precisely, what art cannot do. I bet there's no end to the number of things you think art can't do. You're so fixated on what you mistakenly believe to be the limitations of art that you can't even tell when art is being spoken of. Uh, that being said, uh, just so I'm clear, are we talking about this week's art now? Art can change destiny, Scott. Art can do anything. People ask me all the time, Daniel, why art? Why not apply your prodigious intellect to politics or medicine or social justice or extreme sports? And I always respond the same way. I say, because you stammering dolt, art can do anything and therefore I can do anything, whereas your field is laughably limited and therefore you are laughable. In a weird way, I find it encouraging that I'm not the only person who you cruelly insult for daring to question you, Daniel. Uh, that's because you're weak, Scott. Because you're too pitiful to overcome your circumstances, you take solace in the fact that other people are also suffering. And, by the way, that's one of the key elements of the coward's approach to adversity. But you don't have to be weak, Scott. You don't have to be a coward. This directly relates to what I'm talking about this week, Scott, so I hope you're paying attention. I am. I'm paying attention. You said I don't have to be weak or cowardly. What a relief. Scott, this week I'm talking about Lonely Arts. That's the name of the project then? Lonely Arts? Yes, Scott. Lonely Arts. Allow me to explain. Scott, the world is full of lonely people, right? You know what I'm talking about. You yourself are one of them. You long for romance, for companionship, for human contact. You claim to hate talking to me and Yesman here on One Man's World, but we all know it's the highlight of your week because it's the only event that breaks up the awful monotony. Even towards the end of your marriage, when things were falling apart, at least the kids were in the house. At least there was someone present to make idle small talk with about bills and errands. Even if the small talk was cold and distant, it was something. But now... There's nothing, empty space, long, yawning gaps in your day, the loneliness gnawing at you, chipping away at your composure, the ache swelling within you until you are more loneliness than you are anything else. Maybe in these moments you think to yourself, maybe I should try one of those online dating services. Still with us, Scott? You look a little dazed. I'm fine. I, I do not look dazed. Uh, Yesman, does Scott look ill to you? Well... Yes, Daniel, but he, he always does. I suppose you're right, Yesman, as usual. Anyway, Scott, let's say you decide to try an online dating service in order to ease the agony of your incredible aloneness. A quick online search brings you to my service, which is called Lonely Hearts. I thought it was called Lonely Art. That's the art project. 
The online dating service is called Lonely Hearts, which is merely one component of Lonely Arts. Stop talking so I can explain it. So you sign up for Lonely Hearts. You pay a moderate fee. You fill out your profile, upload a picture or two, list your interests, etc. The computer matches you up with a lovely woman. You look at her pictures. You like them. She's hot, Scott. You look at her interests. They're so compatible with yours, Scott. Now you're excited. You arrange to go on a date with her. She says she'll come by your place at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. You are so excited, Scott. Finally, a break in the dark clouds that have filled your sky from horizon to horizon for months on end. A ray of sunlight has broken through. You can barely sleep. You pick your clothes so carefully. You're ready to go a full hour before 8, pacing through your house, sniffing at your own underarms every five minutes. At the stroke of 8, you hear a knock on the door. You run to the door. You throw it open, an expectant, welcoming grin on your face. And there on your doorstep is an easel on which rests a painting by Daniel Lampley, the world's most prolific artist. Its splendor overwhelms you. You fall to your knees, gazing at it in awe, struck by the realization that this, this is just what you needed. A healing wave washes over you. Your loneliness dissipates, vanishes. My painting has done what no mere woman could ever do. You are free. Then a man comes and asks if you want to buy the painting. If so, you buy it and cherish it forever. If you decide not to buy it for whatever reason, the man collects the painting. And the next time you start to feel lonely, you wish you had purchased the painting so you could give it a look and drive this new loneliness back into its hole. Oh, if only you could still buy that painting. Which you can, unless the one you saw the first time is gone by then, but you can just get a different one. They all work. So, this is a scam. You have de- you have a scam designed specifically to prey on lonely people. It's not a scam, Scott! It works! How is this not a scam? You promise these people a date, and then you don't deliver a date. The, the woman is fake, right? The hot Interesting woman is a total fake, I assume. So instead, all I get for my money is a chance, a chance to look at one of your paintings with an opportunity to buy it. An opportunity to buy it for what I'm sure is a small fortune. No, Scott, no, no, that is not all you get. You get healed of your loneliness. Is the woman fake? Yes, of course. No hot, interesting people want to go on dates with lonely people. Lonely people are lonely for very specific, very unattractive reasons. But how does that give you the right to deceive them, Daniel? And to profit from that deception? Scott, calm down, okay? Listen, okay? Listen. Let's say you're starving to death because you don't know how to eat food. You don't even know what food is. But you think you're dying because your neighbor is unconsciously sucking the life from your body simply by existing. Are you with me? So that's the scenario. Now, I come along. I, of course, know the real reason that you're dying. I also know what you think is the reason you're dying. Now, if I offer you food, you're just going to blink at me like the ignorant, foolish, starving sack of bones that you are. But... If I offer to blow up your neighbor's house while he's inside for a small fee, you'll be all about that. You'll pay that fee and feel great about it. But what are you really paying for? Are you paying for me to blow up your neighbor's house with him inside? Or are you paying for salvation from a long, slow, agonizing death? So here's what I do. Instead of blowing up your neighbor's house with him inside, which would not have solved your problem and would have created many more problems for many more people, including me, instead of doing that, I knock you out from behind with a blackjack, 
tie you to a bed, and then hire someone to force some of my famous homemade green bean casserole down your throat, plugging your nose so that you have to either swallow it or suffocate. Then, when you've been force-fed back to health, I offer to sell you some of my green bean casserole for continued nourishment, which is not cheap, but which is clearly the food most conducive to death by starvation avoidance. Yes, man, you'd buy that casserole if you were Scott. Yes? Yes. Daniel, some of the darker, stranger details aside, your analogy would almost make sense if not for one crucial flaw. Looking at one of your paintings cannot cure loneliness. It can't cure anything. It may be true that a date with a woman won't fix all of a lonely man's problems, but finding one of your paintings on his doorstep isn't going to do that either. It's ridiculous. You're wrong, Scott. You're so very, very wrong. Looking at one of my paintings or looking at one of my sculptures or listening to one of my songs or reading one of my books or viewing and interacting with and consuming any of my art can heal you of loneliness or anything else, anything Haven't you heard of art therapy? That's what this is, except better, because it actually works, and it's almost instantaneous. Okay, yes, I I have heard of art therapy, Daniel, but it's the creation of art that's therapeutic in those cases. People cope with their issues by painting, by creating, by expressing themselves in a way that they don't normally do, not by looking at someone else's painting... In those cases, yes, you're right. A a guy feels sad and he doesn't know why. He decides to try some art therapy. A professional art therapist props the sad guy up in front of a canvas with some watercolors and says, paint what you feel. So the man paints a tree because he's seen trees and paintings before, but he paints it red because he knows that red symbolizes anger and he thinks he might be angry because he'd rather his sadness be a weird manifestation of anger than just boring, plain old sadness. So then afterward, on the drive home, he thinks really, really hard about how he feels, and he decides that he feels marginally better. That's how most art therapy works, because most art isn't good enough to heal on sight. But in the case of lonely arts, the art is good enough, because it's my art, and my art can do anything. I'm not talking about coping, Scott. I'm talking about healing, solving, conquering. Daniel, I've seen... Dozens of your paintings, maybe hundreds of your paintings. I've heard your songs. I've read portions of your books. I've viewed, interacted with, and consumed your art over and over and over again. And, you know, hey, I'm still lonely. I'm lonely, Daniel. I'll admit it. Many, many people out there are. I'm telling you this so that you... And the listeners will understand that your art has nothing to make me less lonely. If your art could make someone less lonely, it would have made me less lonely. Scott, Scott, that's because you don't have enough taste. What? Scott, if you had even a fraction of Yesman's taste, for example, my art could heal not only your loneliness, but also your weakness your cowardice, even your broken, infected legs. Uh, Once again, Daniel, you've crossed the line. You've crossed the line. This, This isn't funny anymore, if it ever was. You are so far gone, Daniel, you don't even realize. You're on another level. What if there's a sick 
gullible person listening right now who decides to forego actual medical assistance in favor of buying one of your paintings and just staring at it, trying and trying to just have enough taste until they die. If they truly have enough taste, they will not die. They will be healed. Listeners, please, all you people out there listening right now, I need to make it clear that I do not endorse anything that Daniel Lampley is saying, now or ever. If you are unwell in any way, seek professional help. Do not rely on Daniel's art, or any art to help you, for that matter. Art has its place. Art is wonderful. I appreciate art. But it cannot replace actual medicine, or therapy, or actual human interaction. Scott, stop, stop, Scott, Scott, yes, man. You believe that my art can heal, don't you? Physical problems, emotional problems, mental problems, spiritual problems. With enough taste, my art can heal them all, right? <clears throat> right, Yesman? Don't say it, Yesman. Don't do not follow him across this line. Yesman, just Yesman, you do not have to follow him. Yesman, just say yes if you agree with all that I've said here today. Just a simple yes will suffice. People- People's lives could be at stake, yes, men. I mean, I would hope no one is that stupid, but there could be kids listening. There could be people who just aren't educated enough, or maybe there are romantics who want to believe this kind of garbage. Daniel's fans who might want to do something this stupid just to please him, I don't know. Uh, it's it's your favorite word, Yesman. You know you want to say it. Now's the time. Go on. Give it to us. Let the world hear. Just right, right into the mic there. Just go ahead. Yes. Well said! I, of course, don't need your support, Yesman, but I want you to know that you made the right choice. This has been One Man's World with Daniel Lampley, the world's most prolific artist. I, Daniel Lampley, was joined again today by two guests... Yesman and Scott, and thank you, listeners, for joining us today for this special uplifting episode. And I encourage all of you to really take my words to heart. Look for ways to apply them and then reap the rewards. And also take Yesman's word to heart, too, but not Scott's. None of his words. Today's episode of One Man's World was brought to you by Aquafresh Toothpaste. Aquafresh. If you've had Crest, it's like that. We'll be back with more One Man's World with Daniel Lampley, the world's most prolific artist, after this word from our sponsors.